Hello and welcome to the podcast at Chesbro Baptist Church. We see in scripture that Paul and Timothy had a special relationship and we explore the relationship between Timothy and Paul in today's message, which is entitled Others Also. So please enjoy. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, when you get there, we're just going to read the first two verses of 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'll give you just a second to get there. So thankful for the blessings of the Lord this week, protecting me and my family. And uh, everybody said it, and it's, it's super true that, you know, the scariest feeling is this, you can't do anything. There's nothing. When you lose control, it's out of your hands. And, uh, but praise the Lord, it wasn't out of the Lord's hands. And so we are thankful for that, you know, and then, uh, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away what the Lord decided to give to us. And so we're so thankful for that. Second uh, Timothy chapter number two, second Timothy chapter two, we're going to read the first two verses. You can follow along with me as I read. The Bible says, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I'm going to read those two verses one last time. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. A title of my message this morning is others also. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we come to you in prayer. We're thankful for all the opportunities you've given us to worship you in your house and to come and hear about your word. I pray that you give us a good day in the house of God. I pray the Holy Spirit would fill us and I pray that the Bible would speak to us and I pray that we leave here different than how we came in. I pray that you just be with our church as we continue to grow and move forward and proclaim your name. For I ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I was in the, uh, I guess it was the uh, seventh grade. I was going to North Pike Elementary School in uh, Summit, Mississippi. And uh, that summer, over the summer, my school started, a, my, my church had started a Christian school. It was actually, I wasn't going to the church at the time. It was a church we used to go to called Open Baptist Church. And over the summer, they started a school. And the name of the school was the Open Door Christian Academy. Now, uh, my, my mom wanted me to go to this school because she liked the church and she liked the preacher and she wanted me to go to a Christian school. And so but I kind of didn't want to leave my friends at North Pike, but I was like, well, we'll go. We'll try it out. And so I went and to, to go to, to get ready to go to this Christian school, I had to go in and take a placement test because I had to see where I fell in their curriculum. Because if there were some things that I was backed up on, uh, they would adjust me like I was behind on English. So they started me back on English, but I was ahead in like, you know, other, I think it was like social studies or science, one of the two. But anyway, so I went in and take this test. And then when I went in to take this test, this is the first time I met a man named Kim Lowry. 
Now, Kim Lowry was the principal of the Christian school, but he was not only the principal of the Christian school, he was also the assistant pastor of the church. He was the uh, youth director. He was the song leader. He was the choir director. He was the janitor. He was the maintenance guy. He was the whole kit and caboodle. And so basically everything other than pastor is what Brother Kim was. And this is the first time I had met him. And, uh, you know, it began something. It began something. It began a relationship. This is basically, I'm, I'm telling you the story of when I met my youth pastor. This is when I met my youth pastor. I would, I would go to Open Door Christian Academy for a few, for a few months and then, I love the church, so I came and I joined Open Door, and I started going to the youth group. And man, Brother Kim, he kind of took me under his wing. He had a lot of uh, uh, he had a lot of the guys in there, but but you know, I just felt a special relationship between me and Brother Kim. It was something special there. And Brother Kim used to take me out, and he used to teach me things. And I remember the first time he took me out door knocking took me out soul winning and I remember going out there and not was scared to death not knowing what to say and the first time I ever saw anybody led to Christ was watching Brother Kim do it and here you have someone who's older someone who's a more mature Christian someone who's been there who's done that taking someone who's inexperienced someone who doesn't know and taking that person and going and teaching that person what to do I still have a very close relationship to my youth pa to, to my youth pastor today. He's pastoring a church just north of Atlanta in Cartersville, Georgia. Me and him, we still we still talk very often, and uh, I still go to him for advice. And uh, you know, he still comes to me to make fun of me because that's what he does. And uh, praise the Lord. But uh, I you know I remember I remember man, you know I remember I remember when me and Zach went and got those Krispy Kreme donuts. You know, I was like, man, man, me and Brother Kim used to do this. Me, me and Brother Kim would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and get in the church van and drive to Baton Rouge and buy Krispy Kreme donuts for a fundraiser. And, and now here I am doing this with Zach. And uh, it was just that hit me when I was doing that about this relationship I had. It, it made show me how special the relationship was between me and my, my youth pastor. Now, let me say this this morning. Is our responsibility not only to give the gospel, but is our responsibility to teach others to give the gospel? It's our responsibility, not just mine. It's our responsibility not only to give the gospel, but to teach others to give the gospel. It's our responsibility to teach people the word of God. We all have this responsibility on our lives. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here this morning? Are you here this morning out of ritual? Are you here this morning out of obligation? Are you here this morning out of habit? Or are you here this morning because you want to be a faithful man or woman to God and, and, and a faithful man or woman to the Lord and to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is, is, is that why you're here this morning? I hope so. I hope, I hope that's why you're here. You know, the, the, the Apostle Paul is challenging Timothy in these two verses. The Apostle Paul is challenging Timothy. He's saying, I want you, uh, I want you, I want, I'm challenging you to this teaching ministry. I want you to teach those first century Christians. I want you to teach those first century believers. I want you to te teach them so that they may, might carry on the faith that I taught to you. I showed you something. Now I want you to turn around and I want you to show them. 
I want you to teach them. We have to carry it on to the next generation. Who's going to do that? We have to carry it on to the next generation. We don't need to be just a church of spectators. We have enough spectators. We have enough bench warmers. We don't need to be a church of spectators. We need to be a church of soldiers this morning. We need to be a church of soldiers, soldiers who will not only carry the cross. Yes, it's important that a soldier carries a cross, but it is also important that a good soldier goes out there and recruits other soldiers to carry the cross as well, for them to carry the banner as well. It is our responsibility to teach other soldiers how to be one for Christ. That is our responsibility. Paul is talking to Timothy about this task of teaching others the word of God. Paul is talking to Timothy about, listen, Timothy, all the things that you've heard, all the things that you've seen, all the things that you've experienced, all the Bible passages you've read, all the prayers you've prayed, all the times you've stayed up and you've, uh, you've, you've heard from God and you've got from God and you've been blessed of God or God has showed you something, your whole Christian experience that's not just for you to keep to yourself. That's not just for you to just sit on and enjoy to yourself. You're to share those experiences, not only with the lost, but share those experiences with other Christians so that they can grow and they can go out and they can teach others as well. I want to show you some things this morning. Well, I want, to, I want you to notice some things that Timothy had. Here are some things that Timothy had this morning. Uh, the first thing I want you to see is that he had a relationship with Paul. He had a relationship with Paul. Read verse number one. Thou therefore my son. Thou therefore my son. Six times in the New Testament, Paul refers to someone as my son. Four of those times was about Timothy. Okay, so Timothy was in essence Paul's spiritual son. And that's what I look, that's what I, when I think about my youth pastor, I think about that. I think about the fact that I was his spiritual son, that he took me under his wing and he invested in my life. Who are you investing in today? Are you investing in, of course we're investing in our children. We're supposed to invest in, invest in our children. Are you investing in anybody else? Who else are you investing in today? 2 Timothy 1-2 says to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Timothy wasn't, uh, Paul wasn't Timothy's dad, but through Christ and through the church, they had this relationship. They had this connectedness. They had this special respect uh, uh, among them. Uh, we see they had a special relationship. They had a special connection. That's what the church will do. The church will connect you to other people in the church. You're going to start to build relationships with people outside of your family, outside of your circle. And this is a good thing. And what does this? What does this is the Lord. We've said before how Jesus is a bridge that brings people together, that brings strangers together, and that's exactly what's happening in this building right now. What's happening is we're a bunch of strangers who's come together, and because we're inside of a church, and because the Lord Jesus Christ is in this church, the Lord Jesus is connecting us and is, is giving us relationships, and that's good. It's important for a Christian to have. These, these are things that a Christian who doesn't go to church misses out on. 
They miss out on the benefit of these relationships. You see, here in this church, in this ministry, in this Christian life, God designed it where we might be connected to each other. God designed it where we can be encouraging one another. God designed it where the younger women can come in here and they can look up to the older women. And they can, the older women can say, you know what? I've lived this life. I've been down that road. I've seen it. I've lived it. I've experienced it. I have the t-shirt and the video. Let me share with you my experience so I can help you. And that's what we need this morning is we need the older women to look to a younger woman and teach that younger woman how to be a Christian. We need that for the men as well. We've got, we, 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 we've got some older men in here who have been down the road of peace. They've lived this life. They've experienced it. They've seen it. They've had prayers answered. They've had prayers not answered. They felt the blessing of God on their life. They felt the Holy Spirit on their life. And then they've been in places where they felt alone. And even though the Holy Spirit was there, they didn't feel it. They've had these experiences. But you know what? We need some of the older men in this church to look, some of the, look down at some of the younger men and say, Here, let me help you. Let me share with you what I've been through. Let me teach you what worked for me. And that's the point of this special relationship. That's the point of this connectedness. That's the point of this unique, special respect that we have for each other. Now, Paul's relationship with Timothy probably started on Paul's missionary trip through Lystra. Or Lystra, so through Lystra. And uh, Paul, Paul came through a town called Lystra. Let me read for you Acts 14, 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, having stoned Paul and drew him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. It was in Lystra where Paul was dragged out of the city and where Paul was stoned. He was stoned for preaching the gospel. The Bible says that after he was stoned and all his accusers went back into the city, that there stood around him a band of, of believers. There stood around him a band of disciples, and they were watching to see if Paul was actually dead or not. And I believe that in, out, that in Lystra, outside that, just outside that city, as they were, that band of believers was standing around looking to see if Paul was actually alive or not. I believe that in that band of disciples, in that band of believers, was a young man named Timothy. It's very possible that Timothy was a teenager. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, so Timothy, let me say this, Paul's, uh, Timothy's first glimpse of the ministry wasn't some big expensive building. Paul's, uh, Timothy's first glimpse of the ministry wasn't some, uh, some, some big fancy pulpit. Timothy's first glimpse of the ministry was a man who was preaching the gospel and he loved Jesus so much that he was lying in a pool of blood because he wasn't afraid to suffer for Christ. Because that's how much he loved his Lord. That was Timothy's first glimpse of the ministry. So he saw a man lying in a pool of blood that loved Jesus so much that he was willing to suffer for Christ. And right then and there, that's when a connection started. Right then and there, that's where a relationship began. Right there and then there, that's when a respect, when a connectedness started to form between Timothy and Paul. 
That relationship that Timothy and Paul had where you had the older teaching the younger, that's an important relationship. It's a relationship we need to have in this church too. We need to have a relationship with the older generation showing the younger generation the ropes. That's what we've lost in our churches today. Let me just go and do my thing. You know, I'm not worried about you. I want to get mine. I'm going to go in here and I'm going to sit on my pew and I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to go home and I'm just going to. But that's that's not the point. That's not how this works. That's not God's intention for us. Let me read for you. Acts 16, 1. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek. We know from this that Paul, I mean that Timothy's father was unsaved. Timothy had an unsaved father. The Bible tells us that Timothy was raised by a single Christian parent. He was raised by a single Christian parent. There are many people in here that can relate to that. I myself come from a divorced home. I come from a, a broken home. I had, growing up, I had a lost father. And I had a saved Christian mother who brought me to church. So I can definitely relate uh, to Timothy today. So a lot of us can. The, the continues in Acts 16, verses 2 and 3, which is rare reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, him when Paul had to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now the fact that they took Timothy and they circumcised him, that was because in order for him to minister to the Jews, he needed to do that. That's like someone going to be a mission field and learning the language. That's like someone going to a mission field and learning the custom. If you don't do the custom right, uh, you're, you're going to insult them. So you have to learn that. You have to become all things to all men that by all means may save some. And so that's exactly what he was doing there. But I want to I focus in on one particular phrase in the verses I just read you. I'm going to read that phrase again. Here it is. Him would Paul have to go forth with him. Here we go one more time. Him would Paul have to go forth with him. In order for Christianity to survive, we must teach the next generation. We have to. In order for it to survive, we have to teach the next generation. Who's going to teach them if not us? You know, uh, we need some Christians who've been down the road, who've seen some things, to take some less experienced Christians and show them that this is how the world works. This is what has worked for me. This is what, is, what, what, is, what, is, uh, what has helped me and what God has blessed me. I, I, I'm going to show you something. And you know what Paul's saying, telling the Timothy here? Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, I'm about to pass away. Timothy, I'm about to leave. Timothy, the sails are set and the ships are fixing to leave the harbor. I'm fixing to go. I'm not going to be here too much time, too much longer, Timothy. I'm not going to be here. So you know what I need you to do, Timothy, is I need you to go out and I need you to find your own Timothy. Timothy, you go out and then you find a Timothy and teach that Timothy what I taught you. And then teach that Timothy to go out and find another Timothy and teach that Timothy what that first Timothy taught him. See, that's the way the Lord wants us to do this. He's saying, uh, I want you to go out and I want you to train someone else like I trained you. Think about who trained you. 
Think about who taught you to read your Bible. Think about who taught you how to pray. Think about who taught you how to witness. Think about who taught you how to, uh, uh, how to fast and who taught you how to sing the Christian hymns and who taught you how to, how to help people and, and, and how to be a blessing to people. And man, who taught you that? Now, who have you taught or who have we taught? I'm not excluded from this. Who have we taught to do that? When's the last time we taught someone to do that? When's the last time we've given that to someone? 1 Corinthians 4, 17. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of me, of my ways, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Timothy was a man who was faithful to his responsibilities. Timothy had responsibilities that he was faithful to, but now he was faithful to his responsibilities, but now he has an opportunity to teach. Now he has an opportunity to teach and train someone else, to find another Timothy and train them. So we see, first of all, that he had a relationship between him and Paul, a special relationship, but you know, also, he not only had a relationship with Paul, but we see that Timothy had a relationship with Christ. He had a relationship with Christ as well. If you look back at 2 Timothy 2, 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So he had a connectedness with Paul, but he also had a relationship with Christ. Timothy was a Christian foremost. First and foremost, Timothy was a Christian. Timothy had put his faith in Christ. Timothy had came to that point in his life where he accepted Christ as Savior. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had a home in heaven and he had his eternal security. That's important. That's important, but that's before anything else. I will, I will continue and continue and continue to get up here and ask if you're saved and ask if you're saved and ask if you're saved because that is the most important thing. I don't want anybody in here to leave and not be saved. That's the most important thing. So Timothy, first and foremost, he was a Christian. He had a relationship with Christ, and he had put his faith in Christ. But we see he also had a relationship with Paul. So first, I want you to see this morning his special relationship with Paul. Number two this morning, I want you to see his reliance on the grace of God. I want you to see his reliance on the grace of God. Let's look back at verse number one. It says, be strong in the grace of God. That is in Christ Jesus. Grace is an omnipotent strength. And when he's saying be strong, he's saying, he's saying be strong, be enabled, be strengthened by the grace of Christ, by the grace of God. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye also having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Let me, say, let me tell you today, Christian, if you do anything good, if you do anything eternal, you did it through the grace of God. Anything good you do. You didn't do it through you. I didn't do it through me. I led somebody to the Lord. I didn't lead them to the Lord. I mean, I, I, mean, I just showed them Christ. And Jesus did it. I didn't do it. Jesus did it. I can't save anybody. Jesus saved them. I'm nothing. I'm just there as a conduit. 
Okay, it, I could you could take me out, replace me with anybody witnessing in this person. That person would have got saved. Okay, you see, the thing is, is that, you know, if you do anything good or anything eternal, it's because the grace of God is inside of you. Let me tell you something. If the grace of God is flowing through you, you're going to want to witness. If the grace of God is flowing through you, you're going to want to serve. If the grace of God is flowing through you, you're going to want to do the will. You're going to be willing to do the work of God. And you're going to be empowered to do the work of God because the grace of God is flowing through you. It's through the grace of God this morning. I got some questions I'm going to ask you this morning. And I want you to answer me the grace of God. Every time I ask you a question, that's the answer I want you to give me. Why do you witness to others? Why do you, why'd you give the offering this morning? Why do you forgive when you could be bitter? The grace of God. <laughs> That's why, the grace of God. Grace, brother. That's right. It's the grace. It's grace. I don't want you, I see what you're saying now. I don't want to do it. It's the grace of God. Grace of God is the reason why I want to do it. Bible says, tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. It's unlimited resource. We can have as much as we want. We have to learn to take it. And we have to learn to accept it. Paul, Paul says, Timothy, Timothy, you're not going to get the job done in the flesh. You're not going to get the job done in the flesh. You're only going to get the job done through the grace of God. That's it. 2 Corinthians, let me read for you 2 Corinthians 3, verses 4 and 5. As, and such trust we have through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Now, when someone comes to God and they say, God, you are my sufficiency, you are my help. He says, okay, now I can give you my grace. You come to God and say, I can only do it through you. <clears throat> Nothing of myself. You're my sufficiency. You are my help. He says, okay, now I can give you my grace. Now I can give it to you. But when you try to do things on your own, when you try to live life on your own and you don't go to God, you lose the benefit of his grace because you try to do it on your own. So you lost the benefit of this unlimited resource called the grace of God because you tried to do it on your own. Hey, let me tell you something. Don't rely on your own talent. Rely on the grace of God. Don't rely on your own strength. Rely on the grace of God. Don't rely on someone else. Rely on the grace of God. Don't rely on your own experience. Rely on the grace of God. Don't rely on your own abilities. Rely on the grace of God. Don't rely on your job. Rely on the grace of God. Don't rely on your financial situation. Rely on the grace of God. So all these things we try to rely on and we try to put our faith in and oh, I need this to do this, I need this to do this. No, you don't. What you need is the grace of God. It's unlimited. You have it. It's an unlimited resource. You can tap in it as much as you want. You can have as much as you want. But man, we just rather rely on other things. I can do it myself. I can rely on my own strength. I can rely on my own talent. I can rely on my own ability. I can rely on brother so-and-so. I can rely on sister so-and-so. No, you can't. Rely on the grace of God. Amen. Timothy had a relationship with Paul. 
Okay, that's good. We need relationships like that amongst us. But he didn't rely on Paul. You know what he relied on? The grace of God. That's what he relied on. Let me tell you something, and I say this all the time. I'm not afraid to say this. You rely on me, I'm going to let you down. Because I am a human. Okay? Okay. Hush one. I am a human being. I'm going to let you down. But you know what? It's okay. You're not supposed to rely on me on me anyway. Rely on the grace of God. So we see, we see here this morning that he had a rela- special relationship with Paul. His reliance was on the grace of God. But number three this morning, I'm going to show you his responsibility. He had a responsibility. What was Timothy's responsibility? And to that fact, what is the responsibility of every Timothy in here today? Let's read verse number two. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Okay, here it is. I'm about to share with you Timothy's responsibility. And it's not complicated. And it's something that all of us can do. Number one, here it is. You ready for it? Everybody ready? Here it is. Here. Here. That's the first responsibility. He says, the things that thou hast heard. And that's more than coming to church and hearing something and it going one ear and out the other. The word here, it means the things that I've perceived, the things that I've understood, the things that I've owned. He's saying, he's Paul is saying, Timmy, those things that you've gleaned, those things that you've learned from me, those things you saw me do, those things I've taught you to do, those things you saw at church, those things you heard preached on, those things you heard taught on in Sunday school, that, that prayer meeting you had that time, all of those things, take those things that you have heard, you have to hear, you have to listen 2 Timothy 1.13 says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. Do your best to hear the word of God. Man, Sunday school, church, reading your Bible, get in there week after week after week after week. Here coming in February, I'm going to start the Wednesday nights back here. Okay, in February, we're going to start it back. Every time you get an opportunity to be in the house of God and hear the word of God, you need to. You need to. Let me tell you something. Church is so important for Christian. People don't realize how important uh, church is because you've got to hear the word of God. If you don't hear the word of God, you're not rejuvenated by the word of God. You have to hear it in order to be rejuvenated by it. And when you don't hear it, guess what happens? You become calloused. You become a been there, done that type of Christian. Oh, I don't need to go to church today. I've been there and I've done that. You know, that is, uh, that is something that um, we don't need to do. We don't need to get callous to it. You must be desperate for the word of God. You must yearn for the word of God. How many years have ever been in a plane? I've been in a plane. 
And uh, could, you, could you imagine this morning, if you could, I mean, have your imagination, and let's say you're in just, uh, just say you're in one of these little planes, a little little Cessna airplane, just, just a few people in it. Hey, man, you're, you're, you're looking out the window, and you're looking at the, at, at the sky, and you're looking how blue it is, you're looking at the curvature of the earth, and well, I don't know if those planes get that high, but, uh, you know, uh, you're, 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 looking at, uh, you're looking down at the ground, and I'm amazed at how everything on the ground is just blocked off. It's just squares. Looks like a checkerboard. And uh, it just always amazed me. And, I'm, you know, you're looking out the window, and you're looking at all these things, and uh, it's, it just shows you the arbitrary lines that we think matter, and they really don't. But, uh, you know, you're looking out, and you're enjoying this time, and then the, the pilot comes to you, and it says, so-and-so, um, listen, um, I'm not going to make it. I'm not feeling well. I'm about to pass out right now. I only got a few moments. And uh, if you don't land this plane, we're all going to die. But it's okay because I'm going to give you some instruction. So if the pilot was giving me instruction, do you think I'd still be looking out the window? You think I'd be looking at the pretty flying birds in the flying V pattern and looking, oh, there's a stream and a babbling book. No, I'm going to listen to the instructions. I'm going to get me a pad of paper and I'm going to write it down. I'm going to ask him to repeat himself. Say that again. I'll read it to me again. I want to make sure I got this right because if I don't get these instructions right, I'm desperate to hear them because if I don't get these instructions right, we're all going to crash. We got to be desperate for those instructions. And that's the same attitude that we need to be desperate for the word of God. Why? Because let me tell you something today. One day the storm is coming and you're going to need these instructions. And they don't need to be your pastor's instructions. They don't need to be the pilot's instructions. They need to be your instructions. Well, I'm not doing this because my pastor told me to. I'm doing this because I got it out of the word of God. It's my own conviction. It's my own instruction. I own it. It's mine because God gave it to me. We need to be desperate for the word of God. That's how we need to listen to preaching. I say this all the time. As a Christian, you know what you need a love of? You need a love of preaching. You got to have a love of preaching. As a good Christian, you have to have a love of preaching because one day you're going to need this. Must have an intention to hear. 1 Timothy 4.15 Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Don't let church be a ritual. Don't let church be an obligation or a tradition that you go through, go through the motions. You know what? Give yourself to the word. Meditate on the word. Think about the word. Apply the word to your life. All right, so the first one we have here. Here's the second one. Super complicated. Get ready to write. Here it is. Commit. Commit. That's all it is. Commit the word of God. Now that word commit here means to impart. It means to give. To impart the treasures of the gospel. To share the doctrines of the Bible. God says, I want you to hear so you can give it to someone else. That's what he's saying. 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says, To wit, <coughs> excuse me, it says to wit that God was in Christ. Uh, to wit, now that's interesting there. To wit, it just means to remember. 
To wit means, hey, this is just a reminder. I want you to remember something. It says, to wit, remember, or I just want to remind you, listen to this, that God was in Christ. That's an interesting statement there. God was in Christ. Islam denies that Christ was God in the flesh. The Jehovah Witnesses deny that Christ was God in the flesh. The Mormons deny that Christ was God in the flesh. But let me tell you something about Christ. He was fully God and he was fully man. But what was he doing? Let me read you the rest of the verse. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, listen to this, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. When he died on that cross, that blood that was shed was the blood of God. God's blood was shed. And you know why he shed that blood? He shed that blood to reconcile us, to redeem us, to forgive us for our sins, to cover our sins, to take our sins away. And bless God because of that reconciliation today, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm sorry, but salvation is such a wonderful thing. Forgiveness and redemption is such a wonderful thing. Who in here does not need to be redeemed? Who in here does not need to be forgiven? We all need to be redeemed and we all need to be forgiven. It's such a wonderful thing and it's a wonderful message. But now that he's committed that message to us, it is our job to commit that or impart that to others. I'm, you know, Drew Bees is pretty awesome, okay? My cousin, uh, he's tell, he told me the other day, is that every time Drew Brees steps on, the, steps on the field, every time he breaks another record. He breaks a record every time he steps on the field. But, you know, Drew Brees can take that football and he can throw it to another player. Now, what does Drew expect that player to do? To drop it? No. To sit down? No, no. To run backwards? No. He wants them to run with the ball. I've given you the ball. Now take the ball and run with the ball. Run as far as you can and then give it to someone else and then let them run with the ball. And that's what Drew wants his, wants, wants his players to do. Jesus is the quarterback. And he's got the ball. And he gives us the ball. What are we supposed to do with it? Drop it? Sit down? No. You know what Jesus wants to do with the ball? He wants to run with the ball. You run with the ball as long as you can. When you can't run anymore, you get the ball to someone else and you let them run with it. So that's what he wants to do. He committed it to us so that we could commit it to other people. But commit what? The things that you've heard. What are some things you've heard? Well, you've heard about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Impart that to someone else. You've heard about heaven and hell. Impart that to someone else. You've heard all the things that Jesus did in his life, in his ministry, and all his parables and all his teachings. Commit that, teach that, impart that to someone else. Man, if we don't get this message out to the next generation, we're going to be in a world of trouble. We're going to be in a mess. We are going to be in a mess today. 
I look here first and I see that there was a relationship between a young man named Paul, I mean a young man named Timothy, and the Apostle Paul. They served together. The older taught the younger. We need that in our churches today. I see here that they were both relying on the grace of God. Man, it's unlimited resource. And you need friends like that. Let me tell you something. If your friends want you to go out and look like the world and party like the world, then they are not your friends. You know who, what your real friends say to you? Your real friends say, let's go to church together. Your real friends say, let's pray together. Your real friends say, let's honor God together. Those are your true friends. Those are your real friends. And then they understood their responsibility. They weren't supposed to just keep all this knowledge to themselves, but they're to find other faithful men and pass on the gospel message. Our responsibility is this. We're to hear and to tell. Hear and tell. That's it. I was a children's pastor for seven years, and, you know, I just, I guess I, because my, my, my mom sent me to Sunday school, but these kids would come in 11, 12 years old, and they never heard, they don't know who Adam and Eve is. They don't know who Adam and Eve is. But you know what? I get to digging a little deeper, and, you know, there's no way they can know who Adam and Eve is because mom and dad doesn't know. Mom and dad doesn't know. These stories that me and you know, that we, that these people don't know that. They don't know who Adam and Eve is. They don't know who Noah is. They don't know David and Goliath. They don't know who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is. The three Hebrew boys in the fire. They don't know. They don't know. How are they, how are they supposed to teach their kids when they don't even know? And we gotta, we gotta tell the, we gotta tell the world. We gotta tell people the, the word of God. Man, if we don't pass it on, who's going to know? We have to pass it on. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Paul was telling Timothy of a special ministry that he had. It was a teaching ministry. He's saying, Timothy, I don't want you to think that you're just going to have to go. That, you know, you're supposed to give people the gospel. That's true. But Timothy, you need to teach other Christians how to give people the gospel. You need to teach other people the word of God. Take all of your experiences, everything you've experienced in your Christian life and impart that to someone else. Maybe this morning we need opportunities. Maybe this morning you need to ask God to give you the opportunity this week to impart your knowledge, to impart your Christian life, impart your experiences to someone else. To talk about it. Somebody might come up to you and say, man, I'm going through this. And then you say, hey, you know what? There's a, there's a man or woman in the Bible that went through that. Let me tell you what they did. Maybe the Lord, maybe you might meet someone this week and the Holy Spirit impresses upon your heart to ask the witness to them. To see if they're saved and 
Ask them if they've ever been saved before. And then maybe you might have the opportunity to lead that person to Christ. Whatever the capacity may be, impart your knowledge to someone today. Maybe you're an older man or woman in this church and you're looking at this younger generation and maybe you need an opportunity to impart your experiences of the Christian life to them. But the point is, is we all need to find an opportunity and pray for an opportunity that God would give us this opportunity to teach others the word of God. Because if we don't do it, no one else Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation we're about to have. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to listen, to hear it, and to tell it. I pray that you'd bless this invitation. In your name I pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed as the music begins to play. I don't know what you need this morning. If you need to come down to this altar and pray, please do so. If you need to do business with God in your seat, please do. If you're in here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you'll come to me, I'll take a Bible and show you how you can know that. Whatever the Lord has laid on your heart, you do this morning.